Matthew chapter number 5. Once you have found that, please stand if you're able to do so. We're going to read from verse 1 down through verse number 8. Matthew 5, verse 1 down through verse number 8. The Bible says, And seeing the multitudes, he, Jesus, went up into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Let's read verse 8 together. Can we do that? Here we go. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. The title of the Bible study tonight is this, A Heart with 2020 Vision. A heart with 2020 vision. Um, I've been blessed with good eyes my whole life. I have not been blessed with great teeth. It just doesn't seem like that you get both good teeth and good eyes. Usually one or the other is not good. Sometimes people have um, uh, both are not good or both are great. Usually one is not. My daughter's got braces and my son has glasses. So that's how that goes. And I have, I think, three missing molars in the back of my mouth. That makes eating meat fun and interesting. And uh, But God gave me great vision. And I was told when I was younger I had 20-10 vision. Uh, very, uh, not a whole lot of people even have 20-20 vision. And so I thank God for that. But if you can see good with your eyes, but you can't see well with your heart, that's a problem. Verse number, again, verse number 8 says... For blessed are the pure in heart, in heart, for they shall see God. Can you see God with your heart? Let's pray tonight. Lord, help us as we look at this Bible study and we look at the importance of having a heart that is right and clean and a heart that honors you and a heart that is able to see you no matter how good or bad life is going. And so, Lord, just work with us tonight, show us, teach us, uh, Lord, where we're allowing contaminants into our, into our heart or out of our heart. And, Lord, help us to leave here with a, with a heart that is right and can see you clearly. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Thank you. All right, so a pastor took his congregation to a conference and... It was a conference on the home. So all these families pile up in cars and they drive off to this other church. And I mean thousands of people at this conference. And one of these, you know, world-renowned speakers like a, like a James Dobson type come and, and uh, are speaking on the home. And somewhere in the conference, the speaker uh, used an analogy and he said, you know, the, the Bible says that the husband, uh, the father, he's the leader of the home. He's to be the the head of the home. And the children, they are the hands and feet of the home. They're the extension of the parents. And uh, they, they, they are to be shot out into the world like an arrow to make an impact and a difference. And they're the hands and feet to get out there and get it. And the wife, well, she's the, she's the emotion or the heart of the home. And she keeps the heartbeat of the home just right. And well, the pastor uh, got up in his pulpit the next Sunday morning and many of the families of his church had gone to this conference and he said, I've been thinking about that analogy that uh, the speaker used about the husband being the head and, 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 and so on and so forth. He said, 
I have to say, after doing some more consideration, I do agree with his analogy that the wife and mother is the heart of the home. And he opened his Bible to Jeremiah 17, verse 9, which reads, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. So, uh, uh, listen, um, the heart is used in Scripture. D.L. Moody said, The heart is used in Scripture as the most comprehensive term uh, for the authentic person. It is the part of our being where we desire, deliberate, and decide. It has been described as the place of conscious and decisive spiritual activity. The comprehensive term for a person as a whole his feelings, desires, passions, thoughts, understanding, and will, and the center of a person, the place to which God turns. Turn to Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, if you could. Proverbs chapter 4. We're not going to stay in Matthew 5 uh, most of the evening. We're going to be looking at what it means to be pure in heart and being able to see God. And so at our church here, we use the Bible a lot And so let me encourage you to follow along. If you can't keep up, that's okay. Then you just sit tight and listen. No big deal. Proverbs chapter 4, 4, and verse number 23. See it there? Let's read it together. Can we do that? Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. So after the message this evening, Bible study this evening, I hope you will be able to see uh, the many, many different dimensions of this verse. Keep thy heart with all diligence. I hope that this verse takes on new meaning to each and every one of you as you consider how important it is to keep our heart pure. If you have a pen, let me encourage you to write this definition of keep down, all right? I encourage you to write down this definition of keep. It won't be up on the screen, and so you just have to you just have to use your memory and, and listen well. Okay, keep means to maintain, to maintain, to place a fence around, to maintain, to place a fence around, to guard and protect from corruption and evil, to guard and protect from corruption and evil. To maintain, to place a fence around, to guard and protect from corruption and evil. Let's say that I lived in a neighborhood where there was a lot of crime. And let's say that I had a lot of people walking up and down in front of my house. And I believe that they were doing drug deals and were involved in uh, crime. And let's just say there had been stabbings in my neighborhood and even some shootings in my neighborhood. And... I wanted to keep me and my family safe. You say, well then pastor, maybe what you need to do is lock your door. And I would say that would be a good idea. It would be a good idea to lock the door. You say, well pastor, maybe you should even add a padlock to your door. And I think it would be a good idea to put a padlock on the door. And you say, well pastor, maybe it would even be a good idea if you put locks on your windows and put a security system in your home. And I think all of these things would be appropriate and necessary. But do you know there's another measure that I can take, and that's to go out to the edge of my property and they put a 
fence around my property that is tall and is private and make sure that that fence is sturdy and strong and see, I'm pushing out uh, the possibility of people just loitering on my front porch. I don't want people just walking right up to my front door. I want to keep my home with all diligence because out of my home comes my family. And you see, with our heart on the inside, we need to put a fence around our heart because from out of our heart come all of the issues of life. And if we let corruption and sin make their way into our heart, then what comes out of our heart uh, will end up being also corrupt and evil. You see, we put evil in, we get evil out. And it's a really simple formula. Your output comes from your input. Your output comes from your input. If you constantly have the wrong input coming in, then you're going to have the wrong output coming out. It's pretty simple, right? Uh, how many understand that if you're, let's see, what's the old adage? If your outgo exceeds your income, your upkeep will be your downfall, right? And you can't spend more money than you make, right? You need to, you need to spend less money than you make. How many of you have lived life long enough to figure this out the hard way like me, okay? Uh, I've done it the wrong way plenty and learned that you got to spend le- How many of you have learned that you need to burn more calories in a day than you take in? How many of you have learned that one, okay, right? And guess what? Uh, what you put in determines who you are. Here's a phrase, garbage in, garbage out, right? Okay, now on top of all that, we also have another issue And that is that in our heart naturally abides sin. And so I don't need to add any extra sin because already from my heart proceeds sin. David said in Psalm 51, he said, I was shaped in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. I I sinned by my very nature. I was washed in the fluids of my mother's womb in sin. I was born with the sin blood running through my veins from the day I was born. I was a sinner. I went and saw uh, one of our Spanish sisters this uh, today uh, while I was at the hospital. A new family that has just started attending our church and is going to be part of our Spanish church launch there on March 5th. And uh, I was there with Angela in the hospital and right around the corner from where Angela was, uh, uh, Hermana Deida, uh, uh, Sister Deida was there and had just given birth the day before. And I got to go in and hold the baby and oh, what a sweet little, uh, what a sweet little angel. Genesis, Genesis Victoria is her name. Just a beautiful little chunky little baby. And I got to hold that baby. And I'm going to tell you what, she slept in my arms and she was just the sweetest thing. Then her husband came in and we prayed together. But can I tell you something? As sweet and precious as she was, that little baby is a sinner. You say, no. Yep, that little baby, just like you and me, is born and shaped in sin. And so we have sin deep down in our hearts. And as a result, we don't need any extra influence to do wrong. Now, God's Word tells us that we are to protect or place a fence around our hearts. We're to protect the purity of our hearts. So, what is the reward? Okay, listen, Matthew 5, 
you have all of these Beatitudes. And the Beatitudes, each one of them can be broken down into two categories. You have the responsibility of the Christian, and you have the reward of the Christian. Blessed are the meek, that's the responsibility, for they shall inherit the earth. That's the reward. Blessed are the merciful, that's the responsibility, for they shall obtain mercy. There's the reward. And so here we have the responsibility. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. You see, watch this now. Listen, this is key to the message. You cannot see God with a filthy heart. You cannot see God working when sin is uh, abiding in your heart. You cannot see God when secularism and humanism are winning the day. You must put God first if you're going to see Him. You must have a heart that's pure. Uh, Turn over to Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 7 and verse number 56. I'm going to show you an example of a man who had a pure heart and literally got to see the Lord while here on earth. Acts chapter number 7. Verse number 56. The Bible says, this is, um, I believe this is Stephen here. Yes, Stephen. Stephen got to see Christ. And said, Behold, I see the heavens opened, and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice, and stopped their ears, and ran upon him with one accord, and cast him out of the city, and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet, whose name was Saul. And they stoned Saul, calling upon God, and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down. And cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not their sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep, or he went to heaven. Now here, Stephen is a man with a pure heart. We know Stephen preached a sermon that made the Pharisees very upset, but a sermon that was accurate. Stephen was a man full of the Holy Ghost. He was a man with a pure heart, and he literally got to see Christ. Enoch and Elijah were men who had a heart that was guarded from sin and a heart that was totally saturated with a love and genuine desire to please God. They were both translated to heaven. The Bible says they did not see death. Oftentimes, Christians face heartache and if there is... Uh, if their if their heart is cleansed from the impurities of sin, they are able to see God's work in situations where the lost or the carnal-minded Christian would question God and would lack basic understanding of what God is doing or why God is doing that. Their faith is weak. They can't see God. They can only see the problem in their life because their heart is carnal or their heart is filled with the impurities of sin and Um, I remember uh, when I was in college, there was a family in the church where I attended and uh, they had had a a baby and the pastor was, was asked to rush to the hospital. This newborn baby began to have very serious health problems and when the pastor arrived at the hospital, the mother and father were holding a dead baby in their arms, just a few days old. And pastor walked in and you say, well, well, pastor, what do you say to a family to help them in a time like that? 
And the answer is there's nothing you can't say. There's nothing you can't say. The pastor walked in and he put his hands on the shoulders of the couple who were standing there crying. And he said, I'm so sorry. And the mother holding that dead baby to her chest with tears coming down her cheeks, she looked over her shoulder at the pastor and she said, Pastor God is still good to us. You say, how in that moment was that lady able to make such a declaration? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Here's a fact about life. Hard times are guaranteed to come your way. Guaranteed. How many figured that one out? Okay, going to happen. Here's another life fact. Your heart is going to hurt through tragedy. I think about the Raiders right now. Mark is my dear friend. Mark and I went to college together. We served in the same ministry together. I've been down to Peru and preached for Mark there at the church in Surco, Lima, Peru. Right now he's laying in a hospital bed fighting for his life. His poor wife and four kids or five kids now are just beside themselves. Tragedy strikes. Your heart is going to hurt. Here's another life fact. People will misunderstand you. People will misquote you. And people will misrepresent you. Anybody married in here tonight? You ever had that happen? Okay. You're married. You've been misunderstood, misquoted, and misrepresented. All right? You're a parent in here tonight. You've been misunderstood, misquoted, and misrepresented. Uh, have you ever led in any capacity? That's going to happen. Um, here's a question I want to ask you. Will you see God's handiwork during these times? Will you see God's handiwork during these times? The purity of your heart will determine your ability to see God when life is hard. Sometimes as a pastor, what I try to do when someone's going through a hardship and their faith is weak, is I try to come around and sit by them, if you will, and take my faith glasses off and say, here for a few minutes, why don't you just wear these? And see if for a minute you can see through my faith your problem and see if you can see God clearly through your problem. You know, sometimes what I'm able to do is I'm able to come along someone's side and I'm able to see what God's doing in that person's life, even if they can't see what God's doing through that problem in their life. And uh, listen, you say, Pastor, are you always able to see God's hand at work even in your own life? Not all the time. Not all the time, but as I have matured and grown in the Lord, I've gotten better and better and better at taking the problems that come my way. And I've, I've said, Lord, I know that You are there. I believe in You and I know You're doing a work. Help me see You through it. So I want to give you just a few thoughts this evening about this idea of having 2020 vision with your heart. Alright, if you have a prayer bulletin on the back of that bulletin, let me encourage you to fill in the blanks. As you go. Alright, number one, notice the corruption of our heart. The corruption of our heart. 
Let's look at some verses tonight. And again, if um, you can't keep up, then just hang tight and let me read and you listen. Jeremiah 17, verse 9, says, I quoted it a few minutes ago in that joke. It says, the heart is deceitful above all things, desperately wicked, desperately wicked who can know it. Um, I'm going to tell you a story, but while I do, turn over to Proverbs chapter 28. If you have small children, let me just remind you that those those little kids, um, they're not as innocent as you think they are. Good friends of ours from another state, I won't use their names, I'll just be vague on purpose, none of you here know who they are, but remember they when their daughter was four years old, the teacher had sent home a note to the family and said that your daughter... Uh, your daughter did this and this and this at school, and here's the discipline for your four-year-old child. And the mother was just beside herself. My, my child is perfect, and 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 and, and she would, she's an angel, and she would never do anything wrong. And so she typed up this long email to send to the teacher, and she sent it to my wife first to proofread it and give her thoughts, and so. I'm sitting there, I think I'm eating a bowl of cereal or something, and my wife is reading this email to me. I about spit my Cheerios all over the table, laughing so hard. In the letter, it said, my daughter does not know how to lie. (laughs) Yes, your daughter knows how to lie. Your daughter has a sinful heart just like I do and you do. And we all know how to lie. We all know how to manipulate. We know how to be deceitful and get our way. The heart is deceitful. Listen, the heart is deceitful even to you. Your heart will lie to you, and you won't even know your heart's lying to you. It's desperately wicked. Proverbs 28, 26. Look there. He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool, but whoso walketh wisely shall be delivered. You can't trust your heart. You go trusting your own heart, you're a fool. You know the biggest, uh, Proverbs 12, turn, turn it back a few pages to Proverbs 12. The biggest lie you can tell yourself is, oh, I would never do that. Oh, I would never do that. I would never cheat on my wife. I would never cheat on my husband. I would never say that. I would never go there. Listen, I am just as capable of any sin as the, the lowest scumbag walking planet earth right now. You say, oh, I can't ever see Pastor Lejeune doing... If I followed my heart, and I followed it to its end, there is no sin that I am not capable of doing. And the same is true for you. We are all capable of committing any sin, because all mankind can fall into... You say, but you're saved. There's some sin you just won't do or can't do. That is not true. We are all capable of walking into some pretty ugly and dark places. Uh, This whole Disney uh, line of follow your heart has been an innocent sounding little cute fairy tale that's been sewn into Disney princess movies for years. And it is a big fat lie. You can't follow your heart. It's desperately wicked and deceitful. Look at Proverbs chapter 12. Look at verse 15. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he that hearkeneth unto counsel is wise. And I'll just read Judges 17 for you. Because it fits in with this. 
In those days there was no king in Israel, but every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Proverbs 12.15 says, A fool does that which is right in his own eyes. When you get this, well, I'm just going to rationalize and justify it, and we call this situational ethics, and the end justifies the means. Even if what I'm doing is wrong, as long as the outcome is good, then that means that how I got to good doesn't matter. Yes, it does. Yes, it does matter. I would rather do right and have to suffer with a poor outcome than do wrong and say, well, the outcome was good. Every man doing that which is right in their own eyes. By the way, if you want to find out about some weird stuff, read the book of Judges. That book is weird. And it isn't weird because God is weird. And it isn't weird because the Bible's weird. It's weird because when man does whatever they want, you end up with some crazy, crazy stories. By the way, the book of Judges ends with a civil war over a man who had multiple women who were his sex partners. One of them is a concubine, ended up in, going to a far country being kidnapped. He goes and gets her and brings her home. On his way home, she ends up being raped so many times that she dies at the doorstep of the home. He comes out the next morning and she's laying there dead because she'd been raped so many times. He takes her home. He cuts her up in pieces and mails her all over. I'm just telling you the story. Mails her all over the country and says, this tribe did this to my uh, concubine, my sex uh, partner, and you all need to help me. And the whole country ends up in a civil war over that. You say, and that's how the book ends. You say, Pastor, that is weird. Yes, it is weird. And you know how they got there? Because every man for generations did that which was right in their own eyes. We're living in a country that's following that same pattern. You don't do right for right's sake. You do right because the Bible defines right and wrong, not, not culture, not man's opinion. Listen, my heart is corrupt. Your heart is corrupt. And, and listen, I can fight the battle of lust and pride, and I can win it for 30 days in a row, and on that 31st day, I let my guard down that far, and all of a sudden, sin has slipped in my heart, and I'm doing wrong again. I can get along with my wife for 30 days in a row, and all of a sudden, I get in the flesh, and now all of a sudden, I'm being nasty toward my wife. You all know what I'm talking about tonight? The corruption of the heart. Now, let's look at number two. The channels to our heart. Now, this is where it's going to get super, super practical, and I think this is really going to help some of you to understand where the problem comes from, okay? Let me give you a letter A and a B here. Letter A, notice our eyes. Our eyes. Someone says, what I look at doesn't really matter. It doesn't affect me. Oh, yes, it does. I'm going to show you a couple of verses here. I'll be patient and give you a chance to get over there. Look at Lamentations chapter 3. I really want everyone to see these verses. Lamentations chapter 3. Lamentations is in the Old Testament. Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations. Did I get that right, Kyle? I think I got that right. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations. So, the two big prophet books, Isaiah and Jeremiah, right on the heels of Jeremiah, you find the book of Lamentations. When I was in kindergarten in my Christian school, I was four years old, and they had the 66 books of the Bible painted up on the wall. 
And every day for school, we'd stand up in K4 and K5, and we'd open the day by saying the 66 books of the Bible in order. And so that really helped me. By the time I was five years old, I knew all 66 books of the Bible in order because my kindergarten teacher, Mrs. Martin, made me say them every day. So I thank God for Mrs. Martin. Um, Look at Lamentations 3. Look at verse 51. Look here. Look at what what, uh, Jeremiah says. He says, mine eye, underline this verse in your Bible if you have a habit of marking, mine eye affecteth mine heart because of all of the daughters of my city. Mine eye affecteth my heart. You say, I can watch whatever I want and it doesn't affect me. That is not true. What you watch affects your heart. Turn over to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, and look at verse number 28. The channels to our heart. Okay? Look at verse 28. Everybody there? But I say unto you, that whosoever looketh, looketh on a woman to lust after her, hath already committed adultery with her in his where? Heart. By the way, that verse works for the ladies too. Ladies, if you look at a man with lust, you've committed adultery with him in your heart. And ladies, don't look at a man with lust the way men look at a woman with lust generally. Women will look at a man and say, I wish... My husband acted, did this, and like him. Or I wish my husband w- went to work like him, like this. And you start comparing your husband to other men. That's, that's, that's just as much lust. And, but the larger point I'm trying to make here is not about lust. What I'm trying to say here is Jesus said, He said, you commit adultery with the woman, men, in your heart by looking at her. Looking at her. What you see is connected to what happens in here. Am I stretching Matthew 5.28 to make that point? I don't think I am. What you look at affects what happens in here. Do you know why the Lejeunes have rules in their home about what our kids look at on screens? Because what they see here affects who they are in here. Alright? Let me show you uh, yet another channel to the heart, and then I'll make all of my applications. Letter B, all right? Let's talk about not only our eyes, but our ears. Turn over to Acts chapter 4. Not only what you look at affects your heart, what you listen to affects your heart. Acts chapter 4, look at verse number 18. So here we find Peter and John, they're preaching in the name of Jesus. Jesus is ascended to heaven. He's given them order to go and preach in Jerusalem. And I mean, they are preaching up a storm and they are making a lot of powerful people really upset. And so they end up in custody over their preaching. Look at 18. And they called them and commanded them not to speak at at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, whether it be right in the sight of God 
to hearken unto you, uh, uh, rather, uh, whether it be right in the sight of God, to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. Look at verse 20. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Seen and heard. What we've seen and what we've heard has completely changed who we are and now what we say. What we've seen and what we've heard has affected our hearts. And you know what? What you put in your eye gates and your ear gates is what is in your heart. I can tell you exactly what's in your heart. You show me what you've been looking at and what you've been listening to. I can show you what's deep down in your heart. Uh, you say, Pastor, I'm passionate about this, 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 and this. If you're passionate about those topics, it's because you've been putting them in your eye gate and you've been putting them in your ear gate. When someone sits down to talk with you, what are the topics that you like to talk about? If someone were to pull up your social media and scroll through what you put on Facebook or Instagram or what you post on Twitter or what you put on, I guess TikTok is one of the platforms now. Uh, what What is on there is a direct reflection of what you've been putting in your eyes and in your ears. You see, if you're constantly talking about the Bible and you're talking about God and you're talking about truth, it's because you've been looking at the Word of God and you've been listening to the Word of God. You've been looking at... Uh, uh, devotionals and commentaries and scriptures. You've been listening to preaching and you've been watching YouTube videos about Bible studies and you've been listening to Bible studies and so that is what comes pouring out of you because you cannot help but speak the things which you have seen and heard. Many people, they want to talk about sports. Oh, they love to talk about sports. Other people like to talk about working out, right? Or they like to talk about uh, uh, hiking. Or they like to talk about, uh, let's see, uh, uh, politics. Or they like to talk about, uh, let's see, be eating healthy. Fill in the blank and it just comes pouring out of them because it's going in their eyes and it's going in their ears. And so it's a direct reflection of their heart. By the way, this is why it is terrible, terrible for men to be mixed up into pornography. Because what you're putting in your eyes, in your ears, is corrupting your heart. Can I give you another one that we're guilty of? We listen to music that glorifies sex and sin and Satan. And listen, I'm not going to talk about a particular genre of music. I'll say this, there's a lot of quote-unquote Christian music that's all about me, 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 me. And you're listening to music that's all about my struggle and my problems and my heartaches and my struggles and the storms of my life. And it's me, 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 me. And it isn't just contemporary Christian. There's some music that's put out by Christian Bible colleges. It's me. How about this? Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Amen? How about music that puts the attention on the Lord? How about music that makes it about how wonderful and awesome and great our God is? You see, when it's uh, when you're putting yourself in your eyes and ears, then you become very full of yourself. The channels to our heart. Now, uh, let me use an example here, and then we'll move on to number three. Because as I'm laying this out, we're only... The next point is just as, the next point builds on what we're covering, but boy, it is just as crucial and important. How do you, um, how do you guard your, your physical health? Alright? What you put in your mouth determines your health. We understand this, right? If you eat poorly, 
you're going to feel poorly. Right? Now, when you're young, you can get away with it for a little while. But as you get older, boy, you really got to be careful what you eat. Amen? If you're older and you know what I'm talking about, raise your hand. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm getting there. Okay? All right. And so I quit drinking regular Coke and started drinking Coke Zero. And now I've even limited how much of that I drink. I used to drink three or four cups of coffee a day. Now I'm down to one or two. And I used to uh, go out and eat, uh, uh, let's see, hamburgers all the time. And now I still go out and eat hamburgers all the time. It's, I haven't got it all figured out, okay? But uh, listen, if you put uh, poor... Uh, 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 if you are malnourished in what you eat, your body's going to be malnourished. Now, how do you eat with your heart? You eat with your heart, not with your mouth, but with your eyes and your ears. So, if you're putting the wrong things in your eye gates and your ear gates, then that's a problem. Now, did you know that if you sit around all day and watch sports, something that isn't sinful has now become sinful? Because you've elevated sports in your eye gates and ear gates above God. So God is no longer number one in your heart. Sports is number one in your heart. Did you know that if you watch politics all day, no longer is God number one in your heart? You see the problem here? What goes in our eye gates and our ear gates needs to be the Lord. Now, notice number three. Not only the channels to our heart and the corruption of our heart... Number three, notice the conduct from our heart. The conduct from our heart. So, what comes out of the heart? Notice letter A, our mind. Our mind. Okay, our mind. Turn over to Genesis chapter 6. Let me just say while you're making your way over there. This is the guy right here that was addicted to sports. Ten years ago. My favorite channel on TV, Brother Kyle, was ESPN. I'd watch seven, eight, nine hours of ESPN every week. I, on top of ESPN, I'd watch six, seven, eight hours of a sports game every week. I still love sports. I still enjoy watching sports. When I was a teenager, I had the Bible in one hand and a basketball under my other arm. And, and, and God had to work in my heart at Christian camp about basketball being my idol. Okay? And, and so I have made the mistake of elevating sports above God. Uh, let me just say this to you. About ten years ago, I had another idol in my life. And it was that I watched, I watched political commentary and listened to the political radio all the time. If I was home, it was on. It was either ESPN or it was some news channel. All right? All the time. And you know what? As I've gotten more mature in the Lord, I've watched less and less and less and less than that. And I've been more and more and more involved in the Word of God. The, the conduct from our heart. The more you put God's Word in your eyes and your ears, that's going to begin to manifest itself in these next three areas. Our mind. First, notice Genesis 6 verse 5. The Bible says, "...in God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth." And that every imagination, look here, of the thoughts of his heart, underline that phrase, the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. So what's in our heart is first manifested in what we think. Now, I have my, my mental 
uh, my mind broken down into two categories. Here they are. Our thoughts can be, uh, can be um, understood in two ways. Okay? There are verbal thoughts and there are visual thoughts. You ever heard someone say, can you picture this in your mind's eye? All right, your mind's eye. It's almost like we have a theater in our mind. Someone says, can you imagine that? You ever had someone uh, say, hey, wake up. Where have you been? In La La Land? And there you are floating through the clouds in your mind, right? In some imaginator, imaginary theater of your mind. And uh, listen, we do. We have a theater in our mind where we can relive moments and we can replay things. And uh, But then we also have the verbal thoughts that we think. And listen, uh, the conduct from your heart is first manifested in your mind. Someone says something that goes against who you are and it upsets you. You know what? You have pride in your heart. The pride is offended. And the very first thing that happens is you think about how you're offended. Before you ever say it, you thought it in your mind. I can't believe they talked to me like that. I can't believe such and such acted that way. You're offended in your mind because you have pride in your heart. And it's manifested in your mind. Right? Um, you ever um, had a time in your life where maybe you were tempted to take something that didn't belong to you? We've all stolen at some point in our life. All right? Long before you actually took that item and walked away, you thought about it in your mind. You saw it with your eyes. It went down in your heart. You thought about it in your mind. Our mind. Notice letter B, our mouth. Our mouth. Let me read for you, for sake of time, let me read for you Matthew chapter 12, verse 34. Please listen carefully. O generation of vipers, Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? If you've got evil in here, you're not going to get righteousness out of here consistently. How can ye, being evil, speak good things? Listen to this phrase. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. You see, if evil is in here, you cannot continue to have good come out of here. And if good is in here, you're not going to have evil continue to pour out of here. Now, can you see, I look at the right thing with my eyes, and I listen to the right thing in my ears, and my heart becomes full of the right thing, and then I think about the right thing, and then I begin to speak the right thing. Or, I look at the wrong thing with my eyes because I'm watching filth on TV and I'm listening to filth with my ears and that filters down into my heart and then my heart becomes filthy and then I think about filthy things and then I begin to speak filthy things. What goes on on that cell phone screen and what goes on on that big screen in your home and what goes on uh, with what you put in your ears at work and what goes on with what you put in your eyes uh, wherever you go when you're out at the store, that has a direct effect on who you are in your heart and is manifested in what you think and then in what you say. Someone says, oh, I, I know I, I, I said that and I shouldn't have. I didn't mean it. And we're all capable of making a mistake and saying something we didn't mean. That is a thing and that can happen. But if there's a pattern and it happens over and over and over again, oh, trust me, that's buried deep down inside. Letter C, not only our mind and our mouth, but notice letter C, our actions. What's in your heart is going to be manifested in your actions. Turn over to Joshua chapter number 7. And look at verse number 20. 
Joshua chapter number 7. If my energy's a little low tonight, I spent a good chunk of time in the hospital over the last 24 hours with my wife. And my throat's a little raw tonight, so um, thank you for being patient with me. Acts 7, look at verse number 20. Here we find the story of Achan. The, the um, nation of Israel is getting ready to conquer their promised land, and they're getting ready to go in and take Jericho. Jericho is the first fruits. It's the first city they're going to conquer. And God says, tell the people, do not take a single thing. Everything in the city belongs to me. It's the principle of the tithe, the, the first fruits. Everything belongs to God. Everything of the first belongs to God. So they were not to take anything. Look at Acts 7, look at verse 20. And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the God of Israel, and thus and thus have I done. Okay, when I... What's that next word? When I saw. Underline the word saw. When I saw. Notice the eyes, how they affect the heart. When I saw among the spoils a goodly Babylonian garment and 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold of 50 shekels weight. Look here. Then I, that next word, coveted. Okay? So he saw with his eyes, he coveted in his heart. So underline the word coveted. I saw, I coveted. And, what's that next two words? Took them. Alright? There's the action. I saw with my eyes, it affected my heart where I coveted. And then notice, it came out in his actions. He took them. And behold, they are hid in the earth in the midst of my tent and the silver under it. You see, long before anyone ever commits adultery, they looked with their eyes at someone, and they felt things in their heart they shouldn't have. And then they thought about the adultery in their mind. And then they talked about the adultery with their mouth. And then they ended up in bed with someone who wasn't their spouse. You see the process there? What you look at and what you listen to matter Oh, they supremely matter. Number four, notice lastly, the cleansing. Well, I guess we've got two more here. The cleansing of our heart. The cleansing of our heart. Turn over to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. If you've not memorized the first 11 verses of Psalm 119, let me encourage you to do that. This is a beautiful, beautiful passage just filled with truth that will help keep you from sin during time of temptation, especially verses 9, 10, and 11. 9, 10, and 11 are extremely, extremely rich and give us God's formula of how to cleanse our heart. So you have looked and listened to the wrong thing for years and you've said, what I look at doesn't matter, it doesn't, it doesn't bother me, it doesn't affect me, I can watch adultery on the TV screen. It doesn't matter. I can see women running around scantily clad in a movie. It doesn't matter. I can have a sex scene in a movie. It just doesn't matter. I can go to work and listen to people curse, and it just doesn't matter. It doesn't affect me. I, I can listen to dirty jokes, and it just doesn't affect me. It doesn't matter. I, I can uh, pick my shows on Netflix or Amazon Prime, and I can put that in my eyes and ears. And it doesn't affect who I am, and I'd say, oh, yes, it does. It's manifested in the way you live your life. It's manifested in the words you say. It's manifested in the thoughts you think. You say, well, Pastor, what do I do now? I've done that for years, and now my heart is filled with corruption. What do I do? Look at verse 9. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? Oh, there's the question. By taking heed 
That means by paying strong attention according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee. With every fiber of my being have I sought thee. How do you do that with your heart? By beholding the word of God with your eyes and your ears. Oh, there's so many ways we can take that in. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Some people say the Bible just, you know, the Bible isn't really the answer to all of life's problems. Well, you may say that's just a simplistic answer. It's an overly simplistic answer. Brother Kai, I just happen to believe the Bible's got the answer to life's problems. Amen? I just think it does. I think if you read it over and over and over again, God will help you understand it. I think if you go to church and listen to it get preached, the Word of God will convict you. And I think if you give your life to living by the Word of God, not just partially, not just casually, you'll, you'll say, I'll be labeled a radical. Guess what? You'll be a radical with a clean heart that can see God. That's a pretty good way to live, isn't it? God's Word is the cleansing agent that washes away the impurities of sin. How many here have ever had a pot uh, where you burnt something on the inside of it? If you're like me, I don't know how to cook. Anytime I cook, I burn the bottom of the pot. Brother John, you there with me? Amen? You're right there with me? And you know what? Um, anytime that happens, I'll put like like a gallon of Dawn liquid soap in the bottom of that ba- baby, and I'll get the water as hot as I can. And I'll, I'll get water and Dawn soap in there, and then I'll let it sit for sometimes eight, nine, ten hours. And you know what? All of a sudden, that which I could not get off, no matter how hard I scrubbed, now begins to loosen up and come off, and I can get rid of it, right? And when we've spent years caking sin onto our heart, burning sin into our life, you need God's Word concentrated on that heart, and you need the hot water of hot preaching to come in and mix with that right there. And guess what? You let that sit there for years, and you know what? Slowly but surely, that begins to flake off, and all of a sudden, you begin to have a heart that's right and pure before the Lord. We must consume God's Word. We must consume it through our eyes. You have to read God's Word. There's no way around it. Read the Bible every day. Uh, we must consume God's Word through our ears. We must listen to God's Word uh, through the pastor and his preaching, through the life group hour. Get the audio Bible on your phone. There are so many apps out there now that have dramatic reading of the Bible. I told you, I listen to the Bible being read every time I take a shower. I get in the shower and I get through uh, between my shower and then uh, putting my four hairs on my head in place and brushing my teeth, I get through a good four chapters of the Bible, if not more, every single morning uh, or evening that I, I shower and get ready uh, uh, in the morning or get ready at night. And so, uh, listen, you can go through a whole book in a week or two in the shorter books. You can go through a whole book at one time. And so, put God's Word in your heart. Uh, you say, I don't like to read. I don't have the attention span. Then let them read it to you. Listen, get uh, your hands on the archive of our uh, of our uh, page here and listen to preaching. Once we have fed God's Word into our hearts, it will cause us uh, to have a mind that is godly It will uh, by meditating on God's Word. It will help us to have a mouth that shares God's Word with both the saved and the lost. Here's what I found. The reason why so many Christians don't tell people about Jesus is because they're not putting Jesus in their eyes and ears consistently. Because if you're looking at God's Word and you're listening to God's Word and and you're looking at salvation, and you're listening to salvation, then you just can't help but tell everybody that Jesus wants to save them. 
The reason why Christians don't want to tell people is because they're too busy watching filth on TV and listening to filth on the radio and it's not in their heart and so they're not going to tell anybody about Jesus. Your lack of your witness is telling on you that your heart is not right with God. And, and then, by the way, you can't help but serve at church because it's in your eyes and your ears and it's filtered into your heart and it's overflowing through your mind and your mouth and now your actions. God's Word cleanses you from the inside out. For far too long, churches have tried to fix the outside while the inside stays corrupt. And Jesus was clear, you need to clean the inside of the vessel and the outside will take care of itself. Number five, lastly, notice the clarity of our heart. The clarity of our heart. Back in our text, Matthew 5, the Bible says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. This is a heart that is in step with the Lord. It's a heart that can see God at work, no matter how bad things get. I finish with a story. A story I've told maybe once or twice, but a long time ago. I was a Bible college student. I was probably 19 years old, living in um, Middle River, Maryland, a suburb of Baltimore. Actually, I was living in Essex, but my bus route before I had gone off to college was in Middle River, Maryland. And uh, I married Angela, and and, uh, we'd bring Matthew home to our little apartment there in Middle River uh, some years later. I was 19 years old. Just a young, unpolished, wet-behind-the-ear, really dumb Bible college kid who thought he knew everything. Right? You, know, you know the type of the Kyle. You were never that way, but I was, okay? And so um, um, I'm out, uh, and I'm visiting my old bus route, and um, really just around the corner from where I end up living. And there was a playground area, and there I was in that playground area, and I was inviting some kids to ride the church bus the next day. And I'm um, getting ready to walk away. I've got a shirt and a tie on, and no jacket, but a shirt and a tie on. And this guy comes pulling up, and I've got a pocket full of gospel tracts and a New Testament and bus flyers in my hand. This guy comes pulling up on a motorcycle. He's got a leather uh, vest on. He's got tattoos up and down his neck. He's got piercings into his, his eyelids uh, and uh, up and down his ears. And, I mean, he, he just looks like the, the stereotypical motorcycle dude, all right? And so I see him and I wave at him and all that. And he gets off his motorcycle and he says, Hey, are you a preacher? And I said, Yes, I am. He said, Come over here. I want to talk to you. And so I just walked over there to him. Yeah, let's talk about Jesus. He's got his big hog motorcycle. He said, Let me ask you a question. I said, Yeah, go ahead. He said, Why do you believe in God? He's not real. And I looked at him, I smiled real big, I said, well, why don't you believe in God? I just turned the question back around. I don't believe in that. I don't believe in that stuff. And that God's not real. I don't, I don't know why you waste your time on superstition. He told me his name. I don't remember it all these years later. That was 19 years ago, 20 years ago. I looked at him and I said, um, i tell you what, this is a tactic I had learned in college. I said, let me, let me ask you a question. I know you don't believe in God, but hypothetically, let's say there was a God. And hypothetically, let's say there was a heaven and hell. And hypothetically, let's say the Bible is true. Can I take five minutes of your time and show you what the Bible says about how this, this hypothetical book can tell you how to get to hypothetical heaven and not go to hypothetical hell? He said, go for it. So I walk him through the gospel. It took more than five minutes, but I walk him through the gospel. And I get down to the end and I said, 
I believe that this book is real, and I believe there is a heaven and hell, and I believe Jesus died for your sins, and I believe if you'll open up your heart right now, he'll save your soul and take you to heaven. I said, are you ready to give your heart to Jesus? And he just started to cry. And uh, you ever have the Holy Spirit just take over and give you words and you didn't even know what was coming out of your mouth? I looked at him and I just asked him this question. And again, I, this wasn't for me. I was a 19-year-old kid who knew nothing about human psychology. I just looked at him and I said, we'll call him Mark. I don't remember his name. I said, Mark, what happened? And he looked up at me and he said, he said, when I was your age, I was going through a grocery store checkout line down in Alabama and I met the sweetest little Asian American girl. And I asked her out on a date and she said, I'll go, to, I'll, go, I'll go on a date with you, but it's got to be to church. You go to church with me, I'll go on a date with you. He said, I didn't look at anything like this. I didn't have any tattoos or piercings. He said, I didn't even own a motorcycle. He said, I was just, you know, young and naive, but he said, I went to church with her. And it was a non-denominational church. We went, we sat there. He said, the preacher preached a sermon. And, 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 and I sat and listened, got up and left. And I came back the next week and got up and left. Came back the next week with her. And he said, I could tell she wanted me to go forward and make some kind of decision. And so at her prompting, I walked forward after the third or fourth week. And he said, someone sat on the front row and they took a Bible. And they showed me exactly what you just showed me. And he said, uh, and then he pushed me to pray this prayer. And he said, I didn't do it because it was from my heart. I did it because I could tell that was going to please her. And so I prayed that prayer with the man. And when I got done, boy, she was just so excited. And we began to date. And she was passionate about me. And I was passionate about her. She said, we, he said, we never slept together. We were virgins, but we got engaged. And right after we got engaged, she went to the doctor for a physical. And she found out that she had terminal cancer. And he said, before I could even marry that girl, just a handful of weeks later, she was dead. He looked at me and said, you're going to tell me there's a God? All the murderers and rapists walking around the streets get to go free? And you're going to tell me there's a God that would take her and let them live? He said, if I'm going to believe in your God, you're going to have to explain that one to me, buddy. And again, I'm this 19-year-old little college kid who doesn't know much of anything. I'm still trying to learn the Bible. And I just was praying the Spirit of God the whole time, and I'm saying, God, I don't know what I'm going to say to this guy when he's done. And here's what I told him. I said, sir, I don't have the answer to your question. But I know this. You have put a wall between you and God. It isn't that you don't believe in Him. It's that you have grown to hate Him. I said, if you look at yourself in a mirror, all those tattoos and piercings, all that's about is you thumbing your nose at God and the creation He gave you. He began to cry. I said, I don't know if God will ever tell you on this side of glory why He took her home to heaven. But I know this, as long as you have corruption in your heart and a wall between you and God you will never, ever know the answer to that question. You see, he could not see God because he had filled his heart with corruption. What I'm saying to you tonight is you may not be Mark on the motorcycle in Middle River, Maryland, but to the degree that you've let sin come into your heart by looking and, looking and listening to the wrong things, 
You cannot and will not see God's hand at work in your life through these troubles and heartaches and sorrows and even the victories and joys that come your way. You want a heart with 2020 vision? You have to have a heart that is pure and right before God. Then and only then will you be able to see God's hand at work in your life. Let's have our heads bowed and eyes closed this evening. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Blessed are the pure in heart. Every now and then it's a good idea to take inventory of our own day-to-day schedule. What are we looking at? What are we listening to? Why don't you take a moment and ask God to help you make sure those things are in balance? Why don't you ask God to help you to cleanse your heart so that you can see your maker at work in your own life? Take a moment right where you are, and then I'll close this in prayer. Let's stand to our feet if we can. Lord, as we pray to dismiss and go home, I pray you'd help us tonight to be people who have a heart that's right before you. Lord, we are already born with a slant towards sin. It does not help when we look at and listen to sin or entertained by it. Sometimes we have to exist around it in work environments and the such, but Lord, help us not to participate in it. Lord, help us to keep our hearts with all diligence, understanding that from it are the issues of life. May we put that fence around our eyes and our ears. May we be very careful what we take in, what we listen to. Lord, bless us as we go from this place. Help us to serve you the rest of this week. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. God bless you all. Have a good evening. I'm glad you came. We'll hope to see you again Saturday. If not then, then Sunday.